welcome to the latest edition of March Madness 365. I'm your host, Andy Katz. On this edition of our podcast, I'm going to have two conversations, one with Texas head coach Shaka Smart. He's going to give us an important update on the condition of Andrew Jones, who was diagnosed with leukemia earlier this season. And we'll discuss Mobamba, his prospects for the NBA draft that are coming up later this week in Brooklyn, New York, and of course, his team going into next season. And then a very interesting conversation with Nebraska head coach Tim Miles. I was in the Omaha-Lincoln area for the College World Series over the weekend and ventured out to Lincoln, got a great tour of their incredible facilities at Lincoln by Tim Miles. He's an incredible character, but he also discussed, you know, we got to change the narrative a little, and, and really some of these players get incredible amenities. I saw it with my own eyes, and I've seen it before around the country. But uh, Coach Miles sort of discussed some of them that players certainly get at Nebraska that they've been able to enjoy during their tenure at the school. So an interesting conversation with Tim Miles and Shaka Smart. I want to get right to it here NBA Draft Week. And certainly I want to direct your attention, of course, to our March Madness coverage on Twitter and Facebook because we will have some coverage of the NBA Draft, which is Thursday night in Brooklyn. But before we get to that, we've got my conversations with Shaka Smart and Tim Miles. Now joining me here on March Madness 365, Shaka Smart, the head coach of the Texas Longhorns. And Shaka, before we get to your team that you're putting together for next season, uh, we are taping this on the week of the NBA draft. And Mo Bamba, as one would expect, is certainly creating a lot of buzz because he potentially could be the best player in this draft. Don't know if he would go number one or not, but uh, you had a chance to coach him this past season. Outstanding young man in all facets of high character and class. Uh, what do you think the NBA is getting in Mo Bamba? I think they're getting a terrific young man who's got almost limitless potential, Andy. Uh, he's, as we all know, a little bit further along defensively than he is offensively, but his offensive game is really ascending. And I think he's got a very high ceiling on both ends of the floor. He's worked extremely hard in the last year, just since he arrived on campus here. Got a lot better over the course of his freshman year. And then since he left campus in April, has really, really taken a big step in terms of work ethic and just the amount of sheer hours that he's putting into his game. And it's paying off. He's, he's going to be a heck of a shooter in time. You know, you had a great chance to sort of recruit him and be around him. And, and you've done an outstanding job throughout the course of your career of sort of finding those right guys that fit your culture and your character. Uh, one last thing on Mo. What, what did you discover in getting to know him over the last couple of years uh, that just sort of exhibits the kind of class and character that he certainly has? He's just a unique kid, Andy. He's got a lot – in a lot of ways, he's somewhat of a contrarian uh, where he goes against the grain, but I, I say that in a good way. He's not afraid at all, especially in this day and age of social media and of, you know, guys, you know, really, really feeling pressure to be perceived a certain way. He's not afraid at all to be different and to be himself. And I think that's really going to help him as he makes the transition because he is going to get pulled out of his comfort zone and it is going to be challenging. But he's okay with that, and I think he's he's going to really make progress over the course of, of the next couple of years. And, Shaka, you guys got some tremendous news, uh, the progress of Andrew Jones. You know, we've been following him on social media as he's been battling uh, leukemia. Um, 
you know, he, he has really shown unbelievable strength and courage in the face of this. Can you give us a, a, a good update as to, to where he stands on, on, on his recovery? Yes, as you mentioned, Andy, he's just made such tremendous progress. Scott and I were just talking about going to see him in the hospital in the weeks immediately after he was diagnosed, and he was in really, really tough shape. But as you mentioned from the beginning, his attitude was phenomenal, and he attacked this thing head on. You know, like anyone else, there's ups and downs when when you're going through that type of process, but he really, really took a a great approach and a very workmanlike attitude to all the things that he was going to need to do treatment-wise and recovery-wise to make his way back. And he's he's come so far he's he's really really improved he you know obviously moved out of the hospital to be able to receive his treatment on a how outpatient basis a few months ago he's been doing that uh, still in Houston at MD Anderson which is one of the best uh, hospitals for treatment uh, of cancer and leukemia in the world and he's been able to come on campus some uh, when he's had breaks in his treatment uh, for instance, this week, he, he's been here the majority of the week. Uh, he's been able to be around his teammates. He's taking an online class, which allows him some flexibility. He can work on it while he's here. He can work on it while he's in Houston. It's just great to see him smiling and happy and excited uh, to be around his teammates. You know, we, we talked when this all went down earlier in the season. And, you know, I think at first people weren't quite sure the serious nature of it. And clearly it had taken you know, a, a very serious turn almost immediately. As you were just mentioning, when you think back to, to visiting him in the hospital uh, during those first few days to where he's now, how hard was it to see that in that immediate time frame uh, when you first went to the hospital? It was extremely hard because, as you know, at this age group that, that we work with, uh, these guys, they, they almost seem invincible as people and as athletes they're so physically gifted and they have so much energy and just uh unbelievable enthusiasm about them and andrew is on the far end of the spectrum in that uh just as a person uh, but when he got sick uh, it was almost immediate he started losing weight and you know he you know had to start his treatment almost right away and you know there was physical changes that occur with that and so it was really really hard seeing him go through that and it's a helpless feeling for everyone involved obviously starting with him uh, but he's again been phenomenal with his approach towards his recovery and he's he's come a long long way how much do you think basketball has helped in that? I think basketball has helped him a great deal because Andrew, like all of our guys, uh, he identifies as a, as a basketball player. And it's an interesting dichotomy, Andy, because on one hand, Andrew and all of our other guys, they have a lot going for them outside of basketball. Uh, but when you're as good at the game as, as he is, uh, when you come from a basketball family like he does, when you have the goals and the dreams that he has, that is really your identity. And I think that's been a positive since he was diagnosed because he's been able to utilize the game and his goals, long-term goals, 
as something to continue striving for and something to use as fuel, motivation to approach his treatment in the absolute best way he can and to stay positive uh, because he knows that there is a light at the end of the tunnel if he continues getting better, which he has been. I mean, you don't want to put unrealistic expectations on his recovery or what he can uh, be able to do at some point, you know, over the next year, two, three years. But what what can you share with us as to, you know, what maybe at least the short-term goal would be over the next year about where his progress could be? Yeah, it's a great question, Andy. I think for me as a coach, uh, I, I just every day think about, uh, you know, for, for all of our guys and specifically for Andrew in the situation that he's in, making sure that we prioritize first and foremost, their holistic growth, uh, and Andrew's holistic growth as a person. And, you know, in this case, beating leukemia. So it, it really starts and ends there. Then when you talk about when can a guy get back on the basketball court? Well, to be honest, really, as soon as Andrew was released from the hospital and allowed to do his treatment on an outpatient basis, he was in the gym. And, you know, he was working on shooting and, uh, you know, getting a chance to play a little bit of pickup. His doctor has really encouraged him to do so. Uh, obviously, as you mentioned, it's a long way back uh, from where he was uh, when he was initially diagnosed to, you know, being able to play at the level that he played at uh, before, you know, he, he got leukemia. But we wouldn't put anything past him. I mean, he's he's really gotten better quickly. We in no way want to rush him. He's chopping at the bit to play, uh, but obviously there's still some more steps that he has to go through in order to get to the point where, where he's ready to play at this level because Andrew has high, a high standard and high expectations for himself. So uh, he's not going to want to come back and play until he's really ready to play at the level he expects. No, that clearly makes sense. I mean, there's no reason to rush. I mean, this is his life you're talking about, not, you know, just winning a game in the Big 12 or something like that. So let's shift to the team that you've got coming back. Uh, so you lose Bamba, but that was, you know, expected, obviously, where you would think that he would be there for one season. In these early workouts as you head into summer, What's your anticipation of what this group could look like, uh, you know, in comparison to last season where you guys continue to get better throughout the course of the year? I think it'll be a lot different uh, for us in that in the fir- for the first time in, in a few years here, our, our, our best player won't be a freshman big man. You know, we had Jared Allen, who was phenomenal a couple of years ago. We had Mo, uh, who had a, a tremendous season for us last year, and those guys were to be honest, head and shoulders uh, above everyone else on our team uh, in terms of a few things. One, their level of play. Two, where you know we all knew that they would be going. You know, three, how much better they got just in a short period of time. One thing about those elite players is they get better quick. So I actually am excited about the fact that our best players uh, this time around should be guys that, that have some experience under their belt from last season or in the case of Kerwin Roach and Dylan Osikowski uh, the last few seasons. So they should be able to uh, be leaders for us. Uh, We certainly have some new guys coming in that are freshmen that hopefully can help our team and and play roles and and be contributors. But uh, we should be a little bit more experienced than we've been. And as you know, in the Big 12, 
that experience is so incredibly important. Now, how do you get in their heads that uh, that rim protector, uh, the shot blocker, to that extent? Not that you can't have a shot blocker next season, but you know he's not there. So you know the ability to gamble uh, when you're pressing or extending that out. I, I mean, I'm just curious, how much are you pulling that back? Just a little bit because. That that sort of safety net behind them, at least at the level they had last season, won't be there. That's a great point, Andy. It's it, we're really not going to pull back at all. In fact, uh, knock on wood, if we can if we can be healthy this year, uh, we, you know we we'd like to extend the floor even more. Uh, I, I would say, you know, to your point about rim protection, we do feel like we've got some some bigs that can that can really help us there. But certainly, there's only one mo. Right. Uh, at the same time, we we never we never really told our guys, hey, it's okay to get beat because Mo is back there. That they probably felt that that there was that extra level. But uh, we had a really good year defensively last year. I think we can actually be even better defensively as a team. We won't have that dynamic seven foot ten wingspan back there. But as a team, I think we can be more sound. I think we can be more aggressive on the perimeter. And having a guy like Kerwin Roach back, who's in his fourth year, has a chance to be one of the best defensive players, uh, really one of the best two-way players in the country. Uh, we're excited about that. So, Shaka, uh, I was with Bill Self a couple weeks ago, and he said he's going to pick K-State to win the Big 12 because they got everyone back. They were in the Elite Eight. Uh, now, look, I mean, obviously, <laughs> you know, Kansas is still going to have phenomenal talent. I'm going to put all my money that they're going to be the team to be picked to win yet again. Uh, what do you think it would take to knock them off? Well, <laughs> uh, at the risk of sounding patronizing, I say this every year, it's going to take another team winning more Big 12 games than this. Yes. <laughs> uh, it, it really comes down to that. Uh, they, they've had a phenomenal run. They've done a tremendous job winning home games. Actually, last year was a little bit of an outlier. They lost, I think, a couple league games at home. But uh, they've also gone on the road and been able to, to win some key road games. So, I, you know, I think for teams in our league, it's going to be another – very, very balanced year in our conference where you have a lot of teams that are highly capable of beating anyone, not just in our league, but in the country on a given night. So what Kansas has done is they've been ever, they've been able to, to weather, you know, any ups and downs that occur during the season because they really do occur for everyone. And then at the end of the year, they've been able to really be playing their best basketball and win some crucial games in February and early March to, to win that league title. And then, of course, last year, go all the way to the Final Four. And Shaka, before I let you go, scheduling-wise, uh, still waiting to find out the matchups in the uh, tournament in Las Vegas where you got Michigan State, UCLA, and North Carolina. So you're going to get two big-time games no matter what out of that foursome. Uh, what else do you have on tap in the non-conference? Because Texas always traditionally you know, has a great schedule. Well, Scott's kind of dragging his feet and releasing his schedule, Andy. But, <laughs> you know, hopefully, hopefully we can get it out relatively soon. I think in the next uh, week or so we'll, we'll be releasing our schedule. But it's, it's as uh, challenging and competitive uh, schedule as we've had. I think we benefited from last season playing you know a lot of really good teams that that you know helped us RPI wise they helped us with obviously the new NCAA quadrant system uh, but this year we've got some really good teams that we're playing we're playing Purdue at home for instance uh, who's got a, a, a terrific uh, 
program. I believe we have Georgia in, in the Big 12 SEC Challenge at Georgia. We're playing in uh, one of the Armed Forces Classic events uh, in El Paso against Arkansas, which is, is, is going to be a lot of fun for our guys because, as you know, with those type of events, we'll get to go out there a little bit early. We'll get to set, spend some time uh, with the folks at, at Fort Bliss and really get a sense for, for what the people that protect our country do on a daily basis. Uh, so those are just, just to name a few. We've got a terrific schedule. Yeah, Scott McConnell, the longtime sports information director at Texas, uh, one of the best in the country, but I know he'll get it done here soon. Uh, Shaka, appreciate you taking some time joining us here on March Madness 365. Thank you. Andy, thank you. Thanks for everything you do, man. And coming up here on March Madness 365, my conversation with Nebraska head coach Tim Miles. Join me here on March Madness 365. Tim Miles, head coach of Nebraska. We are in Pinnacle Bank Arena in Lincoln, Nebraska. I have just had an unbelievable tour of the facilities uh, all over this campus. Basketball and football, by the way. A little wrestling and volleyball as well. Tim, let, let's first talk about the, the, the tour you gave me. Obviously, people can't see it. But uh, the kind of facilities that you have now at your disposal in Nebraska, uh, how would you compare to what you've seen around the country? Well, I think it rivals any that I've seen in the country and any that uh, I've seen on, you know, uh, not only in person, but on video or whatever it might be. When you consider the Hendricks Training Complex, our practice facility, our academic setup in uh, Memorial Stadium with our training table and, and academics and, and our food, nutrition, diet. And then you walk over and you have a sold out arena every night that's state of the art. Uh, it's quite a package that I don't think many, many programs have the luxury of having and allows us to really custom and detail the whole ex- college experience for these young guys right down to the most minute detail. I mean, this is a state that does not produce much talent uh, in this sport. Uh, so you got to draw them in. I mean, you guys have been part of the arms race like a lot of programs at this level. So let's cherry pick a couple. What do you think are some of the sort of the best amenities that your student athletes get a chance to experience during their time in Nebraska that really would enhance almost any student's time at a university? Well, I would say, uh, first and foremost, I think the way we take care of these young guys and the student athlete welfare part where, you know, the academic, uh, we've got uh, three sports psychologists on hand uh, that also treat depression, anxiety, you name it, or just sport performance. So that kind of holistic attitude, you as a person and how you're living, uh, how you're eating, sleeping, all of those things, you as a student. And then, of course, you as a player where we have, you know, every resource imaginable to man. So I, I would just say that that kind of holistic approach is, is uh, you know, as good as there is anywhere I've ever even heard of. All right, let's go tech, though, because uh, I couldn't get over some of the technology. A couple things. First of all, a player, let me get this right in his locker, can program from the locker what he wants to hear in the shower. Yeah, yep, yeah. Not the bathroom stall if you got a big job, but the shower. You can also play your own music um, uh, out in the gym. 
you know, and where you can go and put your, your playlist, uh, you know, on your phone, uh, plug it in in your locker. You go to a wall, you press where you want it, and boom, it's banging out there. And the only thing I tell them, if I'm in the office, it can't be too loud. And if it's too graphic, it's got to go. So we do have some rules on that, Andy. But it's it's really in terms of like on a weekend like today, if a guy wanted to go in and get on the gun and shoot for an hour, he can plug his music in. He can have um, a World Cup game of, of soccer up there, an NBA game, you name it, uh, up on a, a 100-inch TV in the gym, which we have in there too. You can hang out in the lounge, get on Apple TV. Uh, you can get your game stuff out, play uh, uh, you know, on your PlayStation, your PX, your whatever, Wii. I don't know. We have them all. And, um, you know, right down to where, you know, a lot of these guys, we, have, we give them a laptop when they show up, part of their academic thing. We have Wi-Fi everywhere. So they could be doing their homework watching TV on a 100-inch TV, uh, sitting in the, you know, uh, leather couch that as you sat in, you just want to take a nap in. But you can do whatever you want. So it's, I'm rambling, but it's a great spot. There's just too much. Too much, Andy. There's just too much. Yeah, the couches, I mean, almost swallow you whole. They're so large, and I get it because of the size of these basketball players. And the screens, you know, it's better than a sports bar in terms of the type of screens that you have. You know, you took me through all over the place, and I can't – I lost count of how many flat-screen TVs I saw. Well, yeah, we have flat-screen TVs that are just monitors like a computer. Uh, There's probably at least 30 of those uh, in the stuff that I've showed you. We we like our weights, uh, we like our food, and we certainly like our flat-screen TVs. We really do. I think we've we've really outdone ourselves on that. So even in the weight room, a player can program – his program on a, on a digital screen, he is getting videotaped while he's lifting weights, and then your strength coach then can review that, and they can review actually technique, and it measures also their effort, doesn't not? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, down to the smallest detail. Again, if you're not going full range of motion on your bench press or your squat, uh, we'll see that. Um, and and that either means you're not working hard enough or you've got too much weight on there and now it's dangerous. So it's really not only player safety, uh, but also the appropriateness of how well you're training. You know, if you think about it, Andy, imagine if you're a high-level athlete in basketball, men's basketball, you wanted to play professional basketball, right? If, if I'm a student, if my daughter graduate, graduates from University of Nebraska-Lincoln and she starts working in a bank at the drive-up window and then she gets to move into, uh, a, you know, an assistant loan officer and then they put her in charge of ag finance and then she becomes a vice president. Over 20 years, she has, you know, all of these options that are at her disposal. disposal. Exactly. Thank you for helping me out there. But an athlete's window is closing, because you're only as good as your body is. You're only as good as your, you know, health is. And and you might only have five or six or seven years after you're done playing to play professionally. If you look at the average number of years. Now, everybody's special, of course, and they want to keep that. So the better we can train you in those years that you're going, the better that we can give you in terms of our training table with nutrition and diet. And our nutritionist keeps an eye on you that way. The, the more flexibility we have, the way, the way you lift your weights, just the customization of your entire 
buyer experience that you can get in Nebraska is a really a one-in-a-kind one deal. And that will allow you to be the best version of you. You go out now and you you keep that window open as long as possible before it slams shut. Then you go to work like Ava Miles afterwards and you grind it out the, the other way. But you probably hopefully have you know accumulated some things, uh, some net worth uh, that allow you to be even more successful than you ever dreamt of. The other thing that I was sort of fascinated by as well is, um, you know, you were discussing with me about, you know, how you check essentially their medical condition when they arrive here. And I'm talking specifically about the spleen in case someone picks up mono. Uh, Explain that to me about how you guys sort of give them a baseline before they actually essentially, uh, you know, uh, enter their college career here. Well, yeah, you know, obviously the health and, and well-being of your student athletes mentally and physically is the utmost importance. And that's easy to say, and a lot of people don't even consider it until something goes wrong. So one of the things, for instance, and I tried to illustrate a point to you of the of how Nebraska is, is, is working hard to make sure people are doing it right, whether it be a baseline test on a concussion or every medical physical you can have. One of them is we'll, we'll put you through and measure your spleen. So let's say you get mononucleosis and, you know, how do you know when to come back from mono? Like, do you feel okay? Are you tired? Well, what's dangerous is a ruptured spleen. So we measure your spleen and that will give us the the benchmark of when you're able to come back. And it's little details like that, I think, that kind of make Nebraska interesting. And we have used the spleen to illustrate it, of course, but there's worse body organs. So anyhow, when you look at it, though, um, I had never considered that and ever heard of it till I got here. And you're probably the same. So it's it's things like that, I think, that sets us apart. We have our performance lab that's like a sports science thing you'd see on TV uh, where we can, we can find out, let's say, a young guy jumps up and he's testing his vertical leap, but we're watching him and he, he's landing with more force on one leg than the other. Then all of a sudden, I'll watch tape and we'll see this guy that when he, he goes up for a layup, he always lands on his left leg he doesn't land on two feet you wonder why his left knee is sore when every time he's really jumping he's putting more force we have to teach these guys you know how to take care of themselves and so you know it's little things like that i think that you can get beyond the spleen that can really uh, 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 accentuate your career and the other thing is you have this wall of photos that are great they're all like look like about five by seven from every team almost that has been at Nebraska since the late 1800s. And that has been a bit of an impetus for you guys to decide when you should use a throwback uniform. So how much have you walked by there and said, oh, you know what? I like the way they looked in 1942. Yeah, a couple of years ago in February, we, we wore a, like a 19, I don't know what year it was, but it was the first year of integration where an African-American player played at Nebraska. And we just looked at the picture. You know, that's how we did our litmus test, right? And and we used that uniform, which was just a really great looking uniform, by the way. But it had the old-fashioned kind of and in a circle with two, uh, like a banner stripe going through it, but which the NCAA doesn't allow, but they gave us an exception on. We could wear it one time, and it was really a cool moment and uh, cool stuff. It's just little things like that. In the 1967, we did a 50-year reunion, and we had this very thin strap going along our deal, and and we had the old school font lettering going across, just very plain and basic. But um, Adidas has done a wonderful job helping us recreate that. They brought their fashion people, sat down right in my office, and we've showed them the pictures. We've talked about things of what we want to look like, how we want to brand ourselves. We've got a a beautiful cream uniform because we're scarlet and cream is our actual uh, letters. For instance, Indiana's crimson and cream. I've never seen Indiana in cream. 
And but you look at our cream, and it's really our guys love it. It's just it's really. I wish our games were creamy like that. It would be great. All right, so let's talk about this team. I'm incredibly high on your group. I think you guys can contend for the Big Ten regular season title. Uh, did not make the NCAA tournament. A little controversial. You won 13 games in the Big Ten last season. Ended up getting shipped on the road in the NIT, losing at Mississippi State. James Palmer Jr. decides to return to school. Isaac Copeland comes back. How optimistic are you that this group should be, could be your best team since you've been in Lincoln? Well, I'm going to just, I've got like three thoughts in my head. I'm going to start with, I really appreciate you being bullish on the Huskers. That's awesome for recruiting. Now, it puts pressure on me, of course, but I can handle that. But it's awesome for us. And I tell you what, you know, being the only Big Ten team ever to win 12 or 13 league games, there's only one team that won 11 and didn't get in. Uh, was, was, you know, the sorting system, the quad one, quad two thing had certainly something to do with that. I think it would have been the old top 50, top 100 wins. We would have been a lot closer. Got some bad luck. A couple teams just had injuries and, and issues like, uh, Minnesota and Northwestern that were, when we beat them, they were high level games and it didn't show for anything. So be it. I really like what we have coming back. I think we're still building. We've got some people kind of behind who was here last year. We lost Evan Taylor uh, and uh, Anton Gill, both guys that started part-time for us. And we've really got a good group coming back. I think when I look at our team uh, with the 20-league season, I, th- I think it'll be a, a great Big Ten season. We really got lucky those last three days of the uh, uh, draft, uh, test the waters thing, because almost everybody that should have came back came back. I think we lost Kevin Herter from Maryland, and I could see why he stayed in the draft. Now, Mark Turgeon won't say the same, but I understand that. Uh, but Bruno Fernando came back. It wouldn't have been hard for him to lose both those guys. So I think the Big Ten really got healthy on that. I think it's going to be a great season, a lot of fun. In terms of what needs to change with your group, I mean, you've essentially got core of this team back. What's the one thing that maybe has to change from last year to this year with the same core group to make sure that you win a couple of those late possession games that might have gone sideways for you? Oh, you mean the Kansas game, right? Specifically, since Andy, just so folks know, asked me to go on the spot on the floor where V. Mikhailo hit the game-winning shot where we were 16-1 and and Pinnacle Bank Arena lost to Kansas by one. But, Andy, I'm not bitter about that. Don't worry about it. Um, you know, what I think was, one, is as we matured later in the year, we were much much, much better team. I think we ended the year uh, 12 and two, uh, discounting the the um, the NIT because the NIT was quarters longer, three wider lane. Not one road team won in the first 0 and 16 in the first round for road teams. How we ended up on the road still beyond me. I'm, I'm I am bitter about that for sure, but that's the way it goes. When I look at this, I think our team is set and ready. Uh, we're going to have to a couple of young guys step up. Uh, we're going to need some help from one of our freshmen or two of our freshmen and sophomores that were freshmen last. Last year and now freshmen this year sophomores and and I think we're going to get that uh, I'm really excited I think we've got a great plate of games uh, we're down in Kansas City uh, we've got Seton Hall and Creighton at home uh, we're at Clemson a, a nationally ranked team for the ACC Big Ten Challenge uh, we've got Southern Cal Texas Tech Missouri State down in Kansas City for that tournament it's going to be a fun year Oklahoma State in Sioux Falls Big Ten schedule though that was you know we can cherry pick about the 13 league wins but you didn't get um, of the top four, I should say, you only got one of them here, Michigan. You didn't get Michigan State, Purdue, or Ohio State in this building, if I'm not mistaken. You got Michigan in this building. So of that four, you got one of the four here. You did beat Michigan. Um, but you didn't get the other three in this building because of the way the unbalanced schedule. From what you've seen and what we – it's hard to project, but of what we think is going to happen in the Big Ten – 
How do you assess your Big Ten schedule next season? I think it's it's I think it's very solid. Uh, um, I think that it it's um, it's one where if we can be a winning team in the league, we'll be in the NCAA tournament. I think we just got to be winning in the league. You know, this year was unfortunate because we did play Michigan twice, um, you know, and everybody was barking, oh, when the biggest game of the year, you guys couldn't win it. I'm like, nobody could beat Michigan until it was Villanova. You know, they almost won the national championship. And so, you know, uh, you know, if that's our, if that's our criteria for whether we're successful or not, I think that's great because it certainly wasn't that six years ago when we took this job. So I'm excited about where we're at. You know, we're going to see, we're going to be Michigan at Michigan. We've got, um, um, Maryland at Maryland. We've got Michigan State twice. Uh, you know, Minnesota last year we thought was going to be terrific. We have them twice. I don't think anybody thought Ohio State was going to be there, but that's the way it goes. But I, I think with our, you know, with now having more double play, you know, two plays, so to speak, uh, and I can't think of them off the top of my head, but I, I've run the numbers. I've worked with Kevin Pogwell, who's been great to show his scheduling tool, and we put numbers in with a one-year um, average and a three-year rolling average of where these teams have ended up and what we think um, our thing looks like, and I'm confident that if we can have a winning league schedule, uh, that uh, and we do our business, and you know we don't have to be perfect in the uh, non-conference, but we have to be good. You know whether that be nine and two, eight and three, whatever. We got to be good uh, and play the right teams uh, that will be in the NCAA tournament. And before I let you go, Tim, I mean you are my ride, but before we end this, <laughs> I have to. You know we're in the middle of the World Cup. Iceland over the weekend ties Argentina one all. So I got two questions for you. First. I'm going to have you pronounce Thor, your Icelandic player. I'm not going to try his last name yet. I'm going to have you pronounce his name. Then I'm going to have you, because we're just a few weeks past the Scripps National Spelling Bee, okay, that occurred, I think, in late May. I want you to try to spell his name if you can. So let's start first with pronunciation. Thorir Thorjarbjarnsson, okay? So Thorir is T-H-O-R-I-R. Thorbjarnson is T H O R B J O R N S O N. I think I'm close, Andy. <laughs> I don't know if I can check that. I don't have it right there. I want to know how long did it take you though to pronounce his name correctly? Uh, until last week, when when he did it for me at camp three times in a row, and so that was really important. Once he did it at camp, I was happy. But this morning when I text him. Thor, how about that tie with Argentina? Uh, the first thing he did was show his Icelandic pride by being stubborn and saying, I told you that was going to happen. And, and he didn't tell me. He just said that they were a good soccer team. He didn't predict they were going to tie Argentina or beat Argentina or anything like that. But Thorir is a great guy, and I love him. I love his dad, who also worked in Brussels forever for uh, part of the NATO group uh, on behalf of Commerce for uh, Iceland. So he's uh, he's been a part of it. Great family, and it's been great to get to know. I just got to redo the home visit because now I know where to go in Iceland. And what are the chances of the Icelandic clap that uh, the soccer team has made, their fans have made famous uh, in the Euros and in the World Cup, do you think could come to Lincoln? Well, what happens with those things is um, uh, is that, like, for instance, when Ty Webster played for the All Blacks or the Tall Blacks basketball team for New Zealand and the All Blacks rugby team had the haka, right? You couldn't do it. If you did it, it was a shot at their heritage. So you don't do it um, and stay away from it because you're going to make everybody in Iceland mad or New Zealand. We don't want to do that. They're still recruiting to do.
Tim Miles, uh, the head coach of Nebraska, the best tour guy that you can get. If you are a tourist coming to Lincoln, Nebraska, and you want to see the athletic facilities, make sure Tim Miles is your tour guide. You're checking right now. Did you get it right? Well, I, I spelled it T-H-O-R. And that, well, no, this is how you spell it, I should say. So Thorir's perfect, T-H-O-R-B-J-A-R-N-A-R-S-O-N. I don't know if I got that right, but I was only like a vowel off. We'll have to check the tape. Thanks, Tim. And that'll wrap up this edition of March Madness 365. Next week, I'm sure we will address what happened in the NBA draft, look at some of the players that might have gone undrafted, maybe they shouldn't have stayed in the draft, and certainly look at some of the players that uh, went a little bit higher than expected and had great college careers, and it certainly benefited by them going into the NBA draft and getting selected somewhere in that first round or high in the second. As always, we cover the sport of college basketball throughout the course of the year all year round on all the platforms that you get your ncaa.com news turner digital you can find this podcast on itunes we appreciate any feedback that you can give us and as always thanks for listening